Chapter 12. The Gloves Are Off. Actually, with Dirty Duke and Democrats, the gloves have always been off. I do not want to be like these people. I don't even like it when some of my more militant Republican compatriots want to stoop to the Democrats' mud-humping level. They say we need to get as nasty as Democrats are. This defeats the whole purpose of having our principles from their lack of principles. Being a low-roader like Democrats is not a good route to go. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before swine. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Fight me, sucker! I beat you down to bacon bits! Matthew 7, 6, BSB. Don't be seduced by the angry temptation to take the low road and become like Democrats. We already have a problem with people not being able to tell the difference between Republicans and Democrats. The high ground is a better place to fight from anyway. Conservatives criticize Democrats for going off emotion. If you feel like you have to get low like them to fight them, I assure you that your emotions have gotten the better of you too. I know, it's hard. I gotta catch myself sometimes too. I'm not interested in going on the offense either. Not because I disagree with going on the offense as a tactical principle, but because people who generally attack do so because they are motivated by sinning against another. Willful sinners attack other people. That's my reservation about being on offense. Sinners bring war. They bring the sin of wanting to steal. This offense leads to war. Sinners bring slander. This offense leads to war. They bring the sin of murder. This offense leads to war. Technically, we can't go on offense with these people who have already brought a war against us. The Democrats have already brought the offense. The Republican Party can never really go on the offense because the Republican Party was founded as a counter-offensive to the Democrats who had already been intruding upon the rights of man and demanded the so-called right to be the offender against the God-given rights of man. I don't want to attack anybody. I want to mind my own business. I want people to mind their own business. I don't want people trying to make their business my business. If you try to make your business my business and whining me about how I'm trying to make my business your business because I won't let you make your business my business, then it's on because you're unreasonable. I wasn't looking for a fight. I just want to pursue my happiness and enjoy my fruits as my sowing yields them. I don't want to offend or be on the offensive, but I don't want to be ruled by the bad laws of other people's selfish delusions. This means an offensive has raised up against me and others like me who have concluded that the law of God is the ultimate authority. Disregarding this warrants a counter-offensive. I'm not at all trying to boast as a talented fighter. I don't think I am. But I studied the art of self-defense, not the art of offense. I'm not looking for a fight. However, in the manner in which I was trained, the assailant was meant to be left very, very sorry 
They attacked. Throws, takedowns, and seizures that dislocate extremities, hyperextended joints, or break bones before they hit the ground with enough force to knock the wind out of them. I'm not trying to say that I'm a master of these techniques or wired to be talented with such techniques. I'm just saying I've studied it. I'm thankful that it increases my chances of defending myself and decreasing the odds of me being hurt if attacked. What's the point of me saying this? Regardless of how well I may be armed, I don't want to go on the offensive with Democrats. Democrats have always been on the offensive anyway and always think that they're being attacked when you tell them that they can't do what they're doing because what they're doing is an intrusion on someone else's rights. By Democrats attacking, they keep us on the defensive. And part of the reason why we stay on the defensive is because when we counter, we don't make them very, very sorry they attacked us. There are people out there who bruise liberals up pretty good, but it's from one angle, some kind of talk for them. Democrats are kind of numb to that. I was trained that when your opponent hits the ground, it's not over. You make sure that they're not able to use an extremity. They're going to need a cast for something. You destroy their chance to continue to fight you. Destroy their physical ability and their will to continue. Discern which hand they would try to pull a knife on you with and render that artery useless. Take their ability to try to come after you later by stripping them of the use of their leg. Stomp and fracture bone. When I taught self-defense, I made it a point to impress this upon my female students. Be mindful to not put yourself in a more heightened situation to be attacked. If a person crosses that line anyway, respond in a way so they cannot chase after you. Keep one of their eyes as a souvenir for their sin of looking on you with a covetousness that possessed them to do evil against you. And these were just my teenagers. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, y'all. I also taught my students to gauge their opponent and situation. Does this warrant a police-type response or a military response? A woman by herself might want to use a more military response to make sure her assailant can't pursue her. A woman attacked where there's people close by would resort to a more police application to resolve the issue. Sometimes with an opponent, all it takes is letting them fumble themselves to the ground. Causing their pride to get hurt is sometimes enough to resolve a conflict, and that's the most preferred. But sometimes, bruised pride turns into a broken bottle that they'll want to gash you with. The point is, different tactics need to be employed. Different angles. It takes more than just a talk forum. It takes different delivery mediums to follow through with the opponent to lessen their ability to attack. There will always be someone wanting to attack us. Sometimes you have to make an example of the bully to deter others from trying to get some too. Another may try, but the likelihood is lessened. You can give a liberal a bloody nose in a debate. It may show others that they may not want to debate you, but it likely didn't change their perception of you. They still think you're evil and want to influence others to perceive you with that prejudice. That's why I keep saying there needs to be illustrations that compete with the illustrations and mediums that liberals use to get in the way of what liberals are entertaining them with. This is a big way the liberals spread their influence 
and we're not countering there. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West lets us know that in the Army they have a saying, why do you kick the enemy when he's down? The answer is simple, because he's close to your foot. Don't start none, won't be none. Republicans are on the counteroffensive, which is good. Liberals have attacked with slander, and Republicans are swinging back. But when the dust settles from this political round, the Republicans are going to let the Democrats walk away from their offense. And the Democrats are going to regroup in the culture to attack with more slander and prejudice-promoting propaganda. Republicans have to follow through culturally to interfere with the cultural contamination Democrats will be casting. Republicans talk about being ever vigilant. I hope we can walk it like we talk it and defend ourselves in the culture to make it really hard for Democrats to get back up. Hit them from every angle. Let them find no rest and minimize areas for them to flank. We're well fortified with the talk front. Bloggers, vloggers, talk radio, and news channel talk. But we're not covered. On the music angle, sitcom angle, movie angle, sci-fi angle, etc. All these areas that liberals attack from, we're not fortified to defend. What I strongly suggest conservatives do is establish scout and artist development firms that find talent in music, comedians, actors, directors, writers, and pay them to listen to the conservative point of view. Not pay them to believe it, but to listen to it. Make the investment to nurture talent in the Christian conservative view. Mentor artists in this. Give the option for them to want to give it a go. If they're open to it, mentor them and hire them. Yes, hire them to represent Christian conservatism in the culture. Fund productions to showcase writers, directors, and actors. Fund music of various genres to carry the Christian conservative message to their audience with. Send them on a stage with shirts with stylized images of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. Make it the counter fashion to the clueless that wear Che Guevara shirts. Blaze an image of the cross on it with a message that boldly cuts down liberal worldviews with the word of God. A lot of people don't feel safe being conservative in entertainment because there doesn't appear to be any recourse for them. They want to be a career entertainer. And it appears the only way to do that is to assimilate to the liberal idea. But that's the nature of being a Christian conservative. If you're really for Christ and this republic he's blessed us with, then you take the risk. And just as they should be willing to take the risk, then so should investors. Is not our king worth the risk? Is it not worth the risk to preserve this republic that he blessed us with, where we're free to promote his word? More and more, the liberals turn people away from God. The more they succeed, the less liberty we'll have. You think that can't happen here? Just keep in mind, the garden of God was in the Middle East. It's chaos there now. If America separates from God, America will unravel too. We're up against a legion of leftward thinking that is teaching that there's nothing special about us. Humans aren't created in God's image. We're all accidents that came from nothing and involved in the beings that would ponder our origin. It's pretty common for us to have a sense of purpose or even wonder 
what our purpose is. We don't have a sense of accident. We have a sense of purpose. Why? Because the universe was created on purpose. It wasn't an accident. The more we allow leftists to promote the idea that life came from nothing, then the value of life will keep reducing to nothing. Halfway well-adjusted people want to amount to something, not amount to nothing. That's because our origin is in something. So it's in our nature to persist in the nature of what we came from. We don't persist with the instinct to become nothing because that's not the nature of what we come from. Does that mean that we are to ultimately become gods? Nope. We can't become gods because our origins include finite material. Man originated with the dust of the earth. And a day will come when we will be rebooted with all new immortal gear. Does that make us gods? Nope. Because even though we'd be immortal, the whole universe, including us, can only sustain the forever existence by the will of God. God can go on forever and still cancel his creation. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God is eternal because of his love. He will host eternity for us. If we were meant to be gods, we could facilitate that ourselves. We were not ever meant to be gods in a deistic sense. We can't give ourselves immortality. Only something that already existed with that ability could do that and produce a creature using that already existing information to endow the creature with. We can never do that. It's already been done. We can never facilitate an eternal dwelling because we have a beginning. Eternity has no beginning. So it's impossible for us to be a God that can make an eternal dwelling. That something that is responsible for our existence is that purpose. He is that sense of purpose we have. We can choose to accept that or not. I suggest we choose to be cool with it and turn others on to it because that is the way to preserve the balance of peace, joy, and liberty. If we don't promote this for the preservation of our republic, it will accelerate in decline. Our republic can't last forever. It's made of finite material, just like everything else. But we can be a generation that answered the call to be salt and light to preserve the liberty the Lord gave us. Make it savory for others to crave it and light the way to the one who blessed us with liberty. That's how you bless the next generation. The leftist promotes empty platitudes concerning the next generation. Love the earth for our children and grandchildren. That's a long load of doo-doo right there. As I've said before, these fakers talk about making the world a better place for our future kids. You mean those kids that haven't been born yet? You liberals don't consider kids that haven't been born yet human. You abort kids that haven't been born yet. Those future kids you're talking about need protection from you. 
loving the earth doesn't make the world a better place for future generations. Loving God with all your heart, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself is how you make the world a better place for your children and grandchildren. But remember, folks, these people believe that creation came from nothing. That's why they see the human creation in the womb as nothing. These baby butcher and bullies have had their gloves off for a while and fight with absolutely no honor. We're in a struggle between patriots and parasites. Pious parasites at that. Parasites that really think they are better people. Isn't it ironic that Democrats have a worldview that wants them to implement parasitic policy, yet justify killing the preborn because they claim that the unborn is just a parasite, but they think they're better people. Even the liberal so-called Christian thinks they're better than Jesus at the end of the day. The liberal Christians, quote-unquote, are usually the so-called Christians who will say, Jesus can't be the only way. This means they have judged that there are other ways, just as good as Jesus, to get to heaven. They have judged that they know something that Jesus doesn't. Uh, excuse me, Jesus. I know you said you're the way, the truth, and life, and nobody comes to the Father except by you, but I'm going to pretend that you never said that because that would make you really ignorant to other people's ways to get to heaven. You need to get woke, okay? That narrow path, narrow gate kind of stuff sounds really narrow-minded. Liberals scoff and mock Jesus for the wickedness and suffering in the world. For all the money these Jesus-judging liberals have together, you would think that they would have solved the hunger problem long before now, since they know so much better, but haven't. Bear in mind, Jesus was winning all the battles the rulers couldn't win. Jesus was winning the battles against disease, hunger, blindness, deafness, and mental illness. He was winning the battles the rulers couldn't. And the ultimate battle for Jesus to win against was the greatest enemy of mankind, death itself. No other ruler could do that. Jesus proved he could solve all of these things. He was rejected for it by the same kind of people who reject him today. God did get rid of the wicked people, but the same people who charge God for not getting rid of the wicked people call him a genocidal maniac for getting rid of the wicked people, just like they accuse America of being genocidal imperialist for defending against actual genocidal imperialists. Liberals overlook a dictator who starves his people and threatens the world with nuclear war. Yet look at our president in America, where obesity is more of a problem than starvation. Yet somehow our American president is the more evil threat to the world. Liberals see us as evil for not letting in refugees and overlook the evil they're running from. When America responds with military force to the evil that causes people to become refugees, America's accused of trying to be the world police. And since liberals insist American police officers love to shoot anybody who ain't white and Christian, it just means America is sending out the world police to shoot non-white non-Christians. 
Remember how in my audiobook, Weapon of ASS Destruction, American Socialist States, I made the connection between Democrats and Satan, whose name means the accuser? In full satanic nature, these liberal Democrats and leftists will look for any angle to accuse. That's just their nature. They can choose to be cured of it, but they have to be able to get over themselves enough to do it and petition the Lord to make them new. One minute we're accused of trying to rob the world, the next minute we're accused of trying to police it. But I reckon that doesn't matter because, again, according to the left, cops are crooked. That must mean America must be the crooked world police. But somehow, it's okay for the world to police us, especially concerning the environment, even though America is a leading clean air nation. To the left, America is the worst offender and facilitator of the biggest threat to the world. Climate change. Do I need to revisit the point of imagination and reason? There is no proof that climate change is going to destroy us. But there is a proven entity following up on their threats called Islamo-terrorism. But they're not a threat somehow to liberals. In fact, as far as liberals are concerned, we should be coexisting with them, the terrorists. On top of that, what better way to set an example of how America should show the Islamic world that we're going to coexist than to invite them to an LGBT parade? According to these people, it's America's fault that terrorists hate us and the LGBT and liberals are the redeeming population of America that will cause the Islamists to not hate us. Those poor Islamic victims, America should be ashamed according to liberals. Liberals be like, why can't the greedy Israelis let the Muslims have that little piece of land called the Gaza Strip? To which I ask of the poor perspective liberals, why can't the greedy Muslims let Israel have their little piece of land that's dwarfed by how much Muslim territory surrounds it. They accuse us of funding Israel so the evil Zionist Israelis can oppress with murderous apartheid upon the Palestinians. How are Palestinians able to look like they're the victims and Israel made out to be the bullies that provoked them? It's not rational, is it? It doesn't make natural sense that people could be this backwards. Does it seem strange to you that the Islamo-fascist and those blind to its evil promote themselves as victims when they're obviously the hostile bullies? Let's examine why Islamists are able to get a pity pat from the American left and why it seems supernaturally stupid and how blind they are to them. As Christians, we pretty much understand that Al-Quran is basically a satanic manifesto in which it's a work meant to influence the rejection of who Jesus says he is. Here's where you can see the roots of how the victim mentality of Islamists gained so much ground with left-wingers. Examine the fall of Iblis, or the devil figure, in the Quran. Al-Quran is made to reflect the Bible, to give it credibility. The devil himself can recite scripture 
and appear as an angel of light to deceive. Bear in mind, Al-Quran means the recital, and the devil does recite scripture to deceive, doesn't he? He tried to recite scripture to tempt Jesus. Interesting that Al-Quran means the recital. And this satanic book is also meant to be recited with action. The devil's light blinds. It doesn't light the way. Al-Quran will even tell you that Isa, the Jesus figure in Al-Quran, was born of a virgin. He could heal the sick and raise the dead. But it's a ruse to give Al-Quran credibility. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 In the Bible, Satan is introduced as the enemy who does something low that we can all identify with as low, even though many miss it. I talk about this in my audiobook, Weapon of ASS Destruction, American Socialist States. The low thing Satan did wasn't in tempting Eve. The low thing Satan did was falsely accuse God. That's his name. It means the accuser. That accusation stoked Eve's pride in a feminist fashion. She got greedy and as a woman coveted having knowledge equal to God. It is apparent Satan knew playing to her feminist pride would work because he took the tactic to her instead of Adam, who was right there and had relinquished authority to Eve instead of being the spiritual head God made him to be and did not insist on the counsel of God. The lowest thing you can do to someone without touching them is slander them unless you're Darth Vader. This is why Satan is called the lowest as the serpent crawls on its belly. You destroy marriages, businesses, friendships, lives with slander. Satan destroyed Adam and Eve with slander. He falsely accused God. From there was able to give himself credibility with Eve. Remember, this is how Democrats operate today, gaining the trust of people by causing them to distrust others with slander. Notice how the Democrats patronize the women hmm? and how liberal men are given over to the feminist influence, rendering them both given over to destruction. Satan influenced Eve, who influenced Adam to be the first mass murder suicide couple as their actions infected us with a death sentence. So in the Bible, you clearly identify Satan as the enemy, even if you only saw him as a tempter. You knew that even tempting people to do something they shouldn't is wrong, and we find that abhorrent. But in Al-Quran, Iblis, or the devil figure, is introduced to you in a very different dynamic. This is how he's introduced to you if you check out Surahs 2.34 and 7.12. 002.034, Yusuf Ali. And behold, we said to the angels, 
bow down to Adam. And they bowed down. Not so Iblis. He refused and was haughty. He was of those who reject faith. 007.011 Yusuf Ali It is we who created you and gave you shape. Then we bade the angels prostrate to Adam. And they prostrate. Not so Iblis. He refused to be of those who prostrate. 007.012 Yusuf Ali Allah said, What prevented thee from prostrating when I commanded thee? He said, I am better than he. Thou didst create me from fire and him from clay. In the Bible, Satan is introduced to you as an unmistakable enemy, manipulative and slanderous. Nobody digs that. Even people who are manipulative and slanderous get mad if they think you're trying to manipulate them or accuse them of anything, even if they're actually guilty. However, in Al-Quran, Iblis is introduced to the reader as a victim, and anybody can identify with a victim. This supposedly means he can't really be the evil one. You can sympathize with a victim. Iblis was commanded to do something unfair in his mind. He was commanded to prostrate before Adam. That's not fair. That's not justice. I'm a victim here. And these Islamo-fascists are following the same template of Iblis. Murderous agents who are able to keep pressing forward. Because the so-called progressives don't see them as terrorists, but as victims. Israel can be slammed by missiles. It doesn't matter to the left who are blinded by Satan's light. They only register that the Palestinians are the victims oppressed by Israel. A belligerent victim mentality is a fuel they burn to go victimize others. The progressives in office will pander to people with a victim mentality to our peril. And it's going to cause chaos that's going to sink people into a bit of hell before it's over. The PC culture will yield to Islam in the name of fairness. A big reason why Islam will dominate is because they will assert that it is unfair that their religious practices are being discriminated against. And Democrat policies will capitulate to them. It's happening across the world with other officials infected with political correctness. We are up against people who are terrorizing the world by reciting in word and deed the instructions in Al-Quran. And these recitals are a perverted version of the word of God. And it's working for them. You want to learn how to beat it? Apply the instructions in the Bible. It's the manual. That reduces all this crap. We can't remove it, but we can reduce it. We're not perfect, so we can't remove it completely. But we can sure knock back a lot of this nonsense in this generation with the word of God. I hope more people who call themselves conservatives come to realize that patriotism is great, but faith in the Almighty is way more important. Conservatives show great affinity for the country and want to make it great again but they seem to have more pride in the country than hope in the kingdom. Pride all around, 
is the poison. It was the first sin against God. It takes being grateful to be an American, not pride. Grateful to God is the place to start for a great America. It takes putting kingdom before country if we want to preserve our country. Abolish any law that makes it legal to infringe on our God-given rights. It takes putting kingdom before color. If we're going to have harmony, people need to get over their pride and insecurities about their ethnicity and the ethnicity of others. Humility before God fixes that. It takes putting kingdom before currency to restore, multiply, and stabilize the economy. God, the one who blesses us with the ability to earn money in the first place, is our security. It's not our money. That's why even our currency, the most passed around note, says, in God, we trust to keep us reminded. Lots of money doesn't stop divorce, alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual abuse, theft, or suicide. These things take rich and poor alike. Mindfulness of accountability to God stops these things, not what's in your bank account. It takes putting kingdom before creativity and craft to promote works that inspires and influences a culture. It takes putting kingdom before creation to make it better for the next generation. It takes putting kingdom before chromosomes concerning gender to bring men and women into harmony with each other, reduce insecurities, and the delusion of saying chromosomes are false agents used to promote a false bio-tool, used to promote a false biological premise about genders. God is the greatest law writer. His law perfectly sets the perimeters of how to live in peace. On top of that, he wrote the laws that maintain our universe and established its foundation. That's a powerful proven law writer. So when he gives us Christ to be our king, he gets no argument from me. God has given us a perfect moral law that will be ratified with love when he writes the law on our hearts. That will keep those who choose him living in paradise, peace, and joy forever. Even work will be like a holiday. But the icing on the cake is that we won't be subject to the laws that maintain the universe. And Jesus already gave us an idea of that. We will no longer be subject to the law of gravity. Jesus walked on water, and Peter joined him. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, command me to come to you on the water. Come on, Jesus said. The water's fine. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Matthew 14, 28, BSB. Upon rapture and resurrection, the new body will be in the state of rightness with God because of Jesus Christ. We will be new-bodied creatures in him that won't abuse that kind of liberty. In our present state, if we were to have the power to manipulate gravity, great horrors would be afflicted upon others. Only those who have chosen Christ and welcomed his law on our hearts will be exempt from the law of gravity. We will no longer be subject to the law of time and space. 
when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the sea, and they were terrified. But Jesus spoke up. It's just me. Don't be scared. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And at once, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. John 6, 19 through 21, BSB. Jesus time warped them through space to the other side of the sea. No more feeling like there ain't enough time to get something done or get somewhere. You won't feel the need to time travel because everything is perfect. So there won't be any desire to go back in time and fix regrets. People dream about time travel to fix something in their past. In the kingdom of God, there's no point. But at the same time, the ability to move freely through time and space comes with choosing the kingdom. We will be new creatures in him that won't abuse that kind of liberty. In our state, there would be great horrors afflicted upon others if we could manipulate time. Only those who have chosen Christ and welcome his law into his hearts will be exempt from the law of time and space. We will no longer be subject to decay or the law of entropy. We're reborn imperishable. We don't decay into another state. God's eternal kingdom will not decay into chaos. Our health and well-being will not decay. We will be exempt from the law of entropy. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Happy one billionth birthday! Wow, that's amazing. I swear you don't look a day over 33. Look at you. 1 Peter 1.23 NIV This is the law writer we're supposed to be free to live under. It is the word to preserve our liberty by. If it goes, so does our liberty. The word of God is what we're founded on to have liberty. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. Declaration of Independence. Who is the supreme judge of the world and where does this title come from? And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. Psalm 9, 8 in ASB. Wow. And men will say, surely this is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Yes, there is a God who judges on earth. And don't call me Shirley. Psalm 58:11 in ASB. When God arose to judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Selah. Psalm 76, 9 in ASB. Arise, O <clears throat> Arise, O God. <clears throat> Man, arise this frog from out of my neck so I can do the voice. Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all the nations. Hey, can y'all drive quieter, please? Trying to record. Rise up, judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. Psalm 94, 2, NIV. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Psalm 96, 13 in ASB. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Psalm 105, 7 in ASB. We get the point! No, you don't. 
in joyful assembly to the congregation of the firstborn enrolled in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, in the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Hebrews 12:23 BSB. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Acts 17:31 NIV. So it's a pretty big stretch to say God has nothing to do with the founding of our republic. The signers who invoked the supreme judge of the world to be a witness to their pledge would disagree with those who say the signers did not intend for God to be acknowledged in the establishment of this republic. We are in a spiritual war that is manifested as a cultural, political, racial, gender, class, territorial, religious war. All theaters chosen to destroy our salvation. Tragically, it seems the only theater Republicans seem to be interested in fighting in is the political one. The Democrats have long had their gloves off, scratching, spitting, biting, cussing, shooting, lynching, bombing, and burning to change America into what they want. And everything Democrats want is apart from God. Democrats use multiple streams of influence to get people to turn away from God. The more that happens, the more we lose our republic. But I'm hopeful because the word of God is eternal. The first order of God, according to him, is to know who he is. I am the Lord your God. What is it to know God? To know God is to love God. Why? Because God's first order of love for us is to be free. Free to love each other as we would love ourselves according to his authorship of love. He is eternal and he wants us eternally free from hate, slander, hunger, famine, disease, theft, poverty, death, any form of oppression the Lord will ultimately liberate us from. Unfortunately, there are many who believe the Lord himself is oppression and they want to be liberated from him. Some people don't recognize oppression and engage in oppressive actions, thinking it's liberty. These are the freedom from religion types, and they especially want to be free from the Judeo-Christian God because he is the biggest threat to their selfish desires. The desires they want are the liberties to ultimately intrude on another's. Liberals want the liberty to do that, and their selfishness makes them fight real dirty and swarm in from multiple angles. One of the dirty and insidious ways they've been doing this is with shadow banning. Liberals can't have messengers promoting the word of God. They can't have people promoting content that challenges their narrative and exposes who they are. I've long said that it's not a good idea for conservatives to be dependent on their platforms. I'm not meaning to play the victim here. It's actually kind of an honor to be shadow banned to the degree they've done me. And I don't think there's anybody who has gotten the shadow ban worse than I have. The ratio of views of my content to the number of my page followers 
is way disproportionate. It's been that way for years. The Lord is my motivation to keep going, though. He said they'll hate us because of him. And it looks like these online overlords really don't like me and do not want me achieving my goals. They do not want me seen by people who would definitely support my work. They do not want me seen by people. They have brain chained. They don't want my commentaries to be free to reach people and let them decide if they agree or not. They're terrified that people will agree with this knucklehead named Zoe. For some reason, they don't want my music to reach people. But of course we know why. They don't want my ideas for teleplays and movies to ever come to fruition. They don't want the competition. You'd think they'd be happy to just let my work be seen so the liberal locusts can come and chew it all apart. But nope. They're afraid the work I've been blessed to share will break the liberal spell on them. Think about that, y'all. Compared to all the conservatives in social media who are expressing their grievance about their content being limited, these people are still getting hundreds of thousands of views and even millions. They get thousands of retweets. I'm lucky if I get like 10. I've got tens of thousands of subscribers on YouTube, but I'm lucky if my videos get a couple of thousand views. My name doesn't come up in Google cross-references with other conservative commentators. Why am I such a big threat? Why shadow ban me so much worse than other notable conservative commentators? Maybe it's because I'm the easiest target. But wouldn't that make them hypocrites? Picking on the black little guy? I don't have some illustrious academic career to boast of. Why are they so threatened by me? It's not because I'm a black conservative. It's because God is my banner. That's what they're afraid of. Check out the other commentators. They're really brilliant. And they lead with that. They lead with their intellect and how conservative they are. That's their banner. They're flag-waving Americans who want people to know how patriotic and how MAGA-motivated they are. These are their banners. Their banners are how informed they are. And that's great. But none of these things make demons shake like the name of Jesus. The Lord is my banner. Liberals are driven by demons and they are not as afraid of any conservative's intellect as they are of Jesus. Liberals aren't afraid of me. They're afraid of the word of Jesus. Liberals aren't afraid of church bubble Christians because liberals don't worry about them figuring out that Christ should be their political filter. Liberals don't worry about these people because these are the people who say it doesn't matter who's in office because God is still on the throne. Liberals don't sweat them, but conservatives whose banner is the Lord, that is what makes liberals nervous. Not the conservative. Christian conservatives even, who lead with their pride, may trigger libs, but they don't really scare libs. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Acts 19.15 in IV. That's because the demon wasn't impressed by the exorcist trying to invoke the name of Jesus. Because the exorcist still thought it was by their own power. 
that they could drive out demons. Their confidence wasn't in the call of Jesus. And the demon could sniff it. I'm no political, academic, intellectual powerhouse for liberals to be afraid of. It's the light of God they don't want me sharing with folks. God is my banner above any. And that's why they silence me more than any conservative and cannot let my work surface. But God has the last word and he wants this new Canaan taken. 